Hey guys, welcome to our third episode. We were actually just joking as we were about to hit record about like, oh my God, this is like our third date. Where do we go on our third date? And the expectation that kind of comes with that third date, are you still easing into it or are you getting on heavy? Are you going to bed? What's the deal? Totally. And it actually made us kind of sit and ponder on the fact that we're both like quite sexual beings that have maybe like never talked about it online. Yeah. And so the the analogy we were using was quite funny and we decided we should share it with you and just hit record instead of having this secret little conversation between us. And so we were joking and asking, okay, so this is our third date. What are we doing on this third date? Are we diving in? Are we, you know, is it foreplay? Am I going all the way? Are we going to anal? Like, what are we doing here on this third date? And when we discuss what our topics are and the things we want to cover, we were like, okay, do we kind of just ease in? Do we, you know, or do we go all the way? Do we just pick that next thing that is like, this is really far, it's really out there, but I'm picking it and I love it and I'm passionate. Or are we just going to gently kind of coast along, play it safe, go easy, Mm-hmm. And so that third date analogy is funny and perfect and totally. so totally us. It is totally us. It is totally us. So I think in terms of that piece, it actually made me think of like confidence mm-hmm. and the, the way that confidence shows up in relation to our lives. So for example, Ashley Grant, mm-hmm. January of 2019, <laughs> you're going in for the kill with the husband. Right, yes. How are you approaching that? Um, probably mostly avoiding it. <laughs> and not, okay, so if I'm going in for the kill, not from a super place of confidence. I would say I'm in an okay place. In my brain, I'm going, I've had three kids, I've just finished a sixth treatment of canestin, so probably we'll be okay. Hopefully, kids don't wake up. Like that generic, very mediocre, hoping for the best. I call that hamburger sex, which is so funny. If you don't know what that is, it just sounds really gross. But there's hamburger <laughs> sex. And then steak sex? Steak sex, oh. yes. So steak is the like, I'm pulling out all the sides. I'm having great wine. There's going to be candles. Like that's, Appetizer. Yeah, appetizers, dessert. desserts, all of it. So the steak yeah. sex is like... That's the sex that we all want to be having, but you're not having steak sex on a Tuesday. You're having hamburger sex. You Especially are, if you just come in off of use of right? Use infection, babies. Nobody's sleeping. You're like, get in, get off, get out, good night. Yes. That's where I'm at. And so very much, I would say, 2019, January, I was, if we were having sex, it was hamburger sex. I didn't and even want steak. And you even said in that January mm-hmm. on our like intentions for the year, you right. were like, I want to have the best sex of my life. So what did you do? What the fuck did you do? I mean, obviously you went through a physical transformation. You handled all of that to feel super confident in your skin. For sure. And so one big change was the yeast infections and curing those, which Ange was the major, well, the biggest component of helping me change that. Um, the physical transformation of my body, that's the confidence piece. It's not the actual being lighter or being skinnier or being whatever. It's that I feel so fucking good in my skin. Mm-hmm. And again, you were the facilitator on that. And 
The other side of it was me taking the power of it into my own hands. So Cam was very much... Cam's the, your husband. Yes. yes, sorry. Cam is my husband. He's fantastic. Also a very sexual being. Like, we can be in the kitchen and he's ready to get down. And I'm like, yo, Direction. <laughs> I am making food and there's children on the couch. Like, stop touching me. But he is very, very sexual, very wanting... And it doesn't matter if I'm 35 pounds heavier, lighter. He doesn't care. He just wants me, which I love, which is beautiful and wonderful. But anyway, so it was very much me taking that place of initiating. Whereas in the beginning of our relationship, I was, we were, oh my God, we were having sex all the time. And with kids and life changes and being together for 12 years, that slowed down and changed and looked different and we were having awesome frequent wonderful sex and it then wasn't which is okay I recognize the season of our life and it's a beautiful season but I didn't want that to be the reason that things stopped Mm -hmm. I was thinking hamburger sex was okay but we needed to shift more into the steak or at least like chicken alfredo or something different, right? So heading in the direction of steak, but also like understanding and recognizing that, you know what, we probably aren't going to have... Stepping stone. Yes. And so... Um, that, I can't wait till the guys know that. Oh, God! That's going to be so we fun. Were, we were talking about them listening to every they're episode. They're watching their children. And maybe now... Yeah, they're down watching the children, but maybe they don't need to listen to every episode. <laughs> but it was very much me choosing I wanted that. Mm-hmm. And then going, okay, for me to have that, what does it look like? And I've shared this with a few clients. And for me to do this, I'm not going to just tap Cam on the shoulder and be like, yo, want to have some sex? And sometimes it has happened. And he's like, yeah, let's go. But that's not how I warm up. That's not how I get into that space. For me, and it sounds so like basic, music and candles. Game changer. Game changer. And I have told Cam this. And he's like, oh, you don't want to. I'm like, I told you, it's music and candles. If you put on music and you put on candles, I don't like we have battery-operated candles in our room. You literally have to flick a switch. That's but it. can we, again, take responsibility? And, and that's what I do. I put yes. on the music. I put on the candles. And that's a gentle, easy way for me to initiate and yet continue to warm up. I can light candles for 30 minutes. They can sit there. Music can be going for an hour. It doesn't matter. But all of a sudden, I know... And he knows without words, without touch, hey, this could be good. This could be fun. Oh, we're doing this versus getting under the blankets and the expectation of we're gonna or I definitely don't want to or oh, maybe we will. It takes that away Mm -hmm. and it allows me or him to be in that place without it being an overt discussion of like, hey, want to have sex tonight? No. Okay. Fine. Nay. It's, mm-hmm. I'm interested. Are you interested? It, but it's also you recognizing and setting the stage. So, for example, right. this is similar to me and my husband, but, like, I recognize, like, music is something that I don't need but really enjoy. And he was like, oh, do you really need to put music on? So I needed to yeah. get over that, like, piece that he was, like, to me, it felt like he was second-guessing me and being like, oh, do you really need to put that on? And I'm like, 
I fucking do. <laughs> you are, yes, I do. Okay, you do. You fucking told me you do. But like at the time, it was like it seemed out of nowhere for him. He was like, "We've been together for years. This hasn't been a big thing." And I was like. Yeah, but now I've decided it is my thing, and now we're going to advocate it for it because I know that that's this what excites me. Yes. And it helps give, for me, I feel like it sets the stage even in terms of tempo, which is weird, yeah. but I'm very, like, tempo, I, I don't know, I feel like tempo helps, and it helps, I think the vibration of music changes the vibration of a room, right? Oh, it does, absolutely. So I think it's, yeah, so it's determining that, but also, girl, you can set that up for yourself. Don't expect the man no. to have fucking rose petals on okay. your bed. Maybe they will. If you want rose petals, put rose petals. Totally. And I mean, like, yes, maybe your man will do it. But also recognize the men. But if you want it, take it. Don't totally. wait for it to be given to you. Totally. And I think, like, with this is the thing with men. Yes, there's the odd one that's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that and do it consistently. But do you really want a man who only cares about your pleasure? I want him to also care about his own pleasure. He's like... It's a balance, right? Right? Like, it's like, it's it's about both, right? So yeah. I think the piece of it is, like, if you're waiting for them to always come around sexually and be the sexual being that you're desiring, it's like, I think to myself, like, oh my goodness, if you're waiting for that, it may happen every mm-hmm. once in a while, but you also need to take ownership and responsibility and step into that and be like, so what I want, are you open? And most of the time... I'm doing it. I, most of the time, even if they're not open, it's like, if you just advocate for yourself for and sure. they realize that, like, this is my boundary and this is what I'm doing and you're having that conversation about it, I feel like a lot more... Uh, I think a lot of people are open to it. I think it's just advocating versus expecting other people to do things, which brings me into, like, when we are in relationships, I think so often we go into it with expectations and haven't clearly communicated either boundaries or what it is that we're desiring versus like, okay, this is what I actually want. How can we make this happen? So I know we were talking a little bit from like a sexual space, but do you feel like as you've transformed your body, you've been able to clearly communicate more so your desires or do you feel like that's been challenging for you, Ashley? Um, I think even before you're able to communicate them, you need to know what they are. What do you like in life, in sex, in whatever? If you don't know what feels right, you don't know what feels good Mm -hmm. or what you want, it becomes very challenging to articulate that, to share that with somebody else because you don't even know what it is, Mm -hmm. right? And so the number one thing is finding out what that is, Mm -hmm. whether it's in bed, whether it's in life, whether it's with your job, whatever, starting to tune in, what? No, you know, I don't like that. I don't like when you do that thing with your hand. You seem to always do it, and I seem to always moan so that I make you feel good. And then you continue to do it, and I continue to moan, but neither of us are really enjoying this, but you think I am, and I'm pretending that I am. It's like, whoa, tuning in, I don't like that. And being okay with going, you know what, babe? Can you actually do this? And it's like, whoa, I thought you liked that. Yeah. I was faking it for a while there, but I'm actually ready to be honest. Or even somebody... Or even just saying, you know, I like this better, though. Yeah. If, you, if you're not in that place of, like, upfront, brutal, bold honesty, the way that you and I typically show up, mm-hmm. our, our poor husbands, uh, they're, they're troopers, they're rock stars, they love it. But 
if you're not in that place of like, I can show up and just like say I was faking it Mm -hmm. just like I do, but I actually, this feels better to me. Can you try, just try this. Right. Is a little bit more of a gentle, like I'm not going to hurt your feelings for the first time in 45 years. You're right. All of a sudden I'm telling you, I don't like this thing. And you've always for so long thought I loved it. And I just didn't have the heart to tell you, or I didn't know I liked something else. Right. And so it's a, knowing what you do like, and then B, shifting it either boldly or gently into what you do want. And isn't it interesting? I know, I mean, me and, that's such a beautiful way to put it, babe, but like, I feel like me and you have, it's funny with our bluntness or our directness. I think sometimes in the receiving of that, some people are like, she don't give a fuck. And you're like, yeah, you're right. I don't give a fuck. Because mm-hmm. if you made me peanut butter cookies and I'm like, I don't like peanut butter cookies, I'm not going to gently accept that because that's etiquette. You made me right. peanut butter cookies and I'm not going to eat them. I'm not going to be like, oh, that's a really nice gesture. And then like take them. I will say to you, oh, that was really kind of you to do that. But like, I think I'm probably going to give this to somebody else. And I have no problem with saying that. And so that feels very much in alignment for me versus like, oh, take the cookies and then throw them in the garbage or pawn them off. That person, they're going to keep on making you fucking peanut butter yeah. cookies because she, like, loves she loves them. She was so elated. She was. And every time you're like, oh my God, you don't know me. You don't know that I don't, you don't know I have a fucking peanut butter allergy. Right? And it's like, can we just in that moment, like. If you give me peanut butter cookies and I'm going to give them to somebody else, can I not just, it's not etiquette. It's a situation for me that aligns with me morally to just say, honestly, I appreciate that you made me cookies, but I'm not going to eat them. Nobody in my world is going to eat them. I'm either going to pass them off to somebody. And that's the reality of me just showing up authentically as myself. Which is really beautiful because if I'm strong and powerful in who I am, I can go, oh my God, girl, so sorry. And the next time... That you're hurting or I think, hey, I want to do something. I'm not making peanut butter cookies. I might get you flowers. I might send you a note. I might give you a hug. I might show up. This is actually true. I would show up with a bottle of wine and be like, yo, girl, I'm saying the night. Let's do this. Yeah. And not one, but three or four. But you need to tell people, this is what I need. Because yes. I think, like, I mean, this circles back to love language. But it's like, for example, people can try to give you things or do things for you. But until you properly communicate back, like... Nice gesture, but, like, I got nothing from that. They're going to keep on doing that thing, which is fine. If they like to make peanut butter cookies, that's fine. But if they think that that's helping you and instantly you're thinking, who the fuck am I going to give these peanut butter cookies to? You're living a life in this, like, clouded reality of just trying to make everybody so much You're trying to make them feel good that they made awesome peanut butter cookies. You're worried about the fucking weekly peanut butter cookies that you're getting. (laughs) Like, it's a stressor on your world just to make other people happy. And it's funny because I think of it as the double people pleaser. So imagine you're in bed with your husband and he's doing a thing that you don't like. But he's doing it to please you. So he's people pleasing. He's like, she's going to like this. It makes her feel good. He probably doesn't even like really liking. He's basically. not liking what he's doing. He's doing it for you uh-huh. to please you, you. which yeah. cool. Great. And you 
The people pleaser in you is going, ooh, I like this, even though you don't. So you're both trying to people please and neither of you are actually liking what you're doing. It's like me giving you peanut butter cookies, but hating that I make, like I hate making peanut butter cookies, but Ange loves them. And you're like, I fucking hate getting peanut butter cookies, but Ashley loves making them. So we're both trying to please the other person. But we're both really unhappy in what we're doing. So, but that's how a lot of people interact with other people. I know. Which I even think in relationships, I think it like, girl, can you just be honest about it? And then like, I know it's like, oh, I'm going to hurt their feelings. They're going to feel this way, blah, 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 blah. But it's like, honestly, if you just like, if everybody was brave enough for just like 10 seconds, mm-hmm. I actually don't like that you bring me cookies. <gasps> and the other person's like. Oh, good, because I really need, like, an extra hour on a Wednesday <laughs> that I'm making you these fucking cookies because it's a really stressful day. Right? But you don't know that until you're, like, brave enough to go, like, yes. oh, okay, we're good. And I think a big part, whether that's, uh, would you say it's ego or what it is of, like, what is people pleasing in terms of, like, the way we show up? It's, is it our ego wants a boost of, like, oh, I made them happy? It's, it often like stems back like over the course of time, but generally it's fear. So if you just say fear, fear is everything that we fear actually comes down to death. Okay. But if you go before that, it's fear of exclusion, Mm -hmm. fear of not being liked. Everybody, this is human nature. The psychology of it is we want to belong. We want Mm -hmm. to be liked. Mm -hmm. That's why... Many of us fear failure. It's why we fear not pleasing others, that lack of approval. Because if I'm liked, I'm part of the group. Mm-hmm. And it's safe. If I'm in the group, I'm not going to get eaten. Right? Mm-hmm. As soon as I'm excluded, as soon as I step outside of that and the group goes, what? No, no, no. I'm by myself. And then I die. So we fear failure. We fear not pleasing others because it could mean I won't be liked. And if I'm not liked, I'm not part of the group. And therefore I'm in danger and could die. Like that's the actual root of, we don't, we don't break it down that way when it's like, I'm so afraid. What if I fuck it up? We don't think, and then I'll die. We don't go to that place, but subconsciously and that like lineage, that's what it is. Interesting is that fear of total exclusion, being alone. And what that means is I won't survive. Mm-hmm. So that need to be liked overcomes so many things and it's about survival. Mm-hmm. And so you, me, people who are not afraid of exclusion, you can show up that way. You can say those things. You're not thinking, what if this hurts Jamie's feelings? They're like, well, fuck, figure it out. I'm here. Talk to me. I'll help you. But I like, I got to do me. Mm-hmm. But it's because you don't think you've overcome that like initial human fear of, okay, if you don't like this, if you shun me, I'm still going to be okay. So I'm safe to tell you these things. I am safe because I know I will not die if I share my truth. And you know, what's so interesting about that? Cause that, what that makes me think of in terms of the way we are raised. So for me, mm-hmm. I think so much of me thriving to the age that I am mm-hmm. is like with or without a man. Yes. I loved men and I 
some people would say I was like a man eater in my day. <laughs> She's a man. <laughs> but I never really thought like I need a man to complete me. I need a man to make me happy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's so much of my confidence in like, yeah, my husband enhances my life. Life is great. But if ever something were to happen, if he is to leave me or I am to leave him, I'm not worried about what life looks like on the other side of that. Is that codependency or not? Like it, That you are in codependency? No, 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 that no, you are not. I'm the opposite of that. But for right. people that are, like, in a relationship, they're like, if this person's not to be here, how would I go on without that person? Do you know what I mean? Like, I it's like, mean. it's kind of like, it's not fear of death, but it's like when a codependent relationship is like, you stick in the relationship that doesn't fulfill you because you feel as though mm-hmm. I can't exist without this. So I need this relationship because there's no way I could survive or thrive without it. Codependency might be the right word, but I think it's also habit. I think we get used to leaning on other people for certain things. And so the idea of that person not being there, if we're leaning on them for big fucking things, like filling the void in my heart, yeah, you are going to feel like you can't survive with them. If you're leaning on them because they take out the garbage, fuck. Like, that's literally Cam went to the dump today. And I was like, that's awesome. Man, like, I would have to go to the dump. That'd be irritating as hell. I don't go to the dump. I don't like going to the dump. I could go to the dump. Sometimes I go with them, but I don't do anything. I sit in the truck. But it's a small thing, whatever. But if if I relied on him to feel confident about who I am, yes, him leaving the relationship or dying, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, what if I can't? Because you're filling a place in my life that's so big. So if I already have love for myself, if I already have joy in who I am, that person can only add to it. By leaving, they don't take away from it. You would figure out another way to get the garbage out. I totally agree with you. But, right, so I, so I, Kevin and I are not codependent. No. But there's certain things. That you appreciate. He does Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Like, I, for Jamie, for me, it's like, I don't want to fucking snow blow my driveway. It's probably so easy with a fucking thing that you push and you do it. But you don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. The fact that he handles the snow, I'm like, oh. But if he filled your cup in a sense of worth, baby, I think you're so worthy. You're so beautiful. And you needed that from him. All of a sudden it shifts the snow blowing small. Yes. Self-worth huge. I can't show up in my day because you haven't told me what to do or how to be. Yes. That's the codependency piece, right? Yes. And so releasing that or shifting away from that is really challenging and almost impossible if you're in it or so it's not impossible it can feel impossible Mm -hmm. how do I feel worthy without this person right how do I show up in love with myself Mm -hmm. which is I think it's very challenging but I also think the biggest piece in relation to it is like can you recognize the only person that fills your cup up is that other person so for example whether it's the partner or your friends or whatever or your kids could be your kids. Totally. Can you recognize that, like, if they were all to go away, that you would feel not enough? And I think it's like, okay, then you need to do the work mm-hmm. or the healing in terms of how do I feel enough 
Yes. If I didn't have kids. Yes. If I didn't have a husband. If I didn't have any of those things in my world, how would I still feel good enough to walk on this earth? And I think that is the choosing joy or that is the choosing, I don't know, choosing the like life that you desire for that reason. So it comes back to the even when mm-hmm. versus when I, right? Are you grounded? Are you secure? Are you strong in who you are? Even when a parent is dying, even when a friend is going through a divorce, even when you lose a child, even when you can't get pregnant, are you that even when, or do you need those scenarios to happen so that you can be, I can feel strong and steady and secure if my kids are good. No, you need to feel strong and steady and secure even if your kids aren't good. Your kids being in a strong place, we feel grounded then. Sure. Oh, yeah. Like, if my kids are good, I'm good. Then when shit hits the fan, you're still not good. You're not grounded. And so being in that place, even when. I am strong, even when. And this shows up for me. Felix has a really hard time transitioning back to school. Mondays are so hard. The home learning He loved that. But going back, oh my goodness, like tears and the clinging and the like prying him off my leg, the anxiety that he has. I'm like, girl, okay, okay. I'm like, whoa, girl, this is shaking you so much. But I have to still be steady in who I am, even with him experiencing that. And it's hard when our kids go off to university, when our kids are experiencing a breakup, when our kids are going through a stress, we often lose our grounding. We lose who we are because we want so badly for them to be okay. Mm -hmm. That their okayness is connected to our okayness. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like we want to take it and put it into us so that they don't have to go through it. But we recognize, like, I think both of us, both you and I, like, we recognize, like, see, you were to take from Felix, okay, I don't want you to go through that. So whether that's, like, I will make it a smooth, steady road. Okay, Felix isn't going back to school. Felix is just staying home with you. Yeah. How would that serve you as a person? And this is, like, literally that crossed my, my mind. But there was a speaker that I went and saw. Her name was Sarah Rosensweet. And she talked about, are you preparing your child for the path or are you preparing the path for your child? And so preparing your path, preparing the path is literally like clearing obstacles, which would be school for Felix is an obstacle. So I just get rid of that. And oh, now you're good again. Oh, another bump in the road. You have a difficult time in social situations. We're going to remove all social situations. I'm not building resiliency in him if I prepare the path and move things out of his way, rearrange my life, mm-hmm. stop doing me so that I can literally my job would just be preparing the path. I would homeschool him. That would be me preparing the path for him. Or am I preparing my child for that path? School is here. This is an obstacle. I'm with you. I love you. I'm here. We're going to do it together. It's, I understand that doing things we don't want to do is hard. We can do hard things, right? That resiliency piece is really what we're building. And so that difference is there. And I try to keep that in the back of my mind. And so that question about how does that show up for me, if I'm preparing the path, I'm putting me on hold. 
because my job becomes to prepare the path for my children so that they can be on easy street. Mm-hmm. And if I show up for me and they see that they need to see me show up for my dreams. They need to, mom, I don't want you to go up to the bunkie and have your fifth Reiki client of the week. And I'm like, I know I understand that, but I still have to do this because it lights up my soul. Mm-hmm. Right. And that permission to do what you need to do, even if the people around you are a little bit uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Be uncomfortable. It's okay. Totally. Yeah. And I would even say, like, I think it's interesting that both of our older children have interesting situations in relation to that. So my oldest, I think his biggest thing that we've been noticing from the online schooling Mm -hmm. and the going back to school, he's cool. He loves that. But, like, the thought of just hanging out with mom all day he's fine to go to school but the thought of like just hanging out with mom all day after we have a snow day is like oh i feel sick well you don't actually feel sick so we've been noticing that more like he's not actually feeling sick Mm -hmm. he just is like we've been doing online schooling and then we had some snow days so now i get to snuggle with mommy and that's really great and I don't know, did you guys get report cards this week? We did. We did. So before we dive in, Ange, give us a quick brief synopsis. Tell us who your kids are, how old they are. Sure. So my oldest is uh, five. So he would be an SK and then the youngest would be about a year and a half. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So Theodore is about five. So he's an SK. We got his report card this week. And one of the things that they, so the, it's kind of independence for both. So his first right. report card was like, we are encouraging Theodore to wash his hands for the full 30 seconds. Oh my goodness, the hand washing. Right? right. And then this one was like, we are encouraging Theodore to do up his zipper without assistance. And I was like, okay. So both are kind of like independence slash related to doing tasks on his own. So I was like, okay. So me and Jamie, my husband, are sitting back and we're like, oh man, we help him a lot. Right. We help them. We help them a lot with a lot of things. Mm -hmm. As soon as it's tough, we are like, do you need help? Do you want help? Do you need help? And versus like letting him be on struggle bus a little bit for a little bit because he often goes to an emotional. um, They've said OCD tendencies, but like essentially like things aren't done a certain way in his brain. It's very challenging. So like Mm -hmm. you go to pull a zipper up, the zipper doesn't go the way that you expect it in your brain. It's very flustering for him. Mm -hmm. Try to put your sock on and get stuck. But I feel like if he got, went through that a few times, he might be okay. So me and Jamie are having this conversation. I was like, okay, all right. And Jamie is your husband. Jamie is my husband. Yes. Yes. So we're having this conversation. He's like, it's so tough though. Like when he's stuck and we're on a time crunch, it's so hard to not like do up the zipper. I'm like, I know. I know it's so tough. So like our new strategy has been like, I will take Sully to the car. Him and Jamie will be inside, like figuring out, getting his stuff on to go. And so the biggest thing for me was like, Oh man, even the school's acknowledging that like independence is something like we just want it to be a little bit as it's happening. We're like, we rely on like, Oh, we'll help you. So I think we're just learning how to balance that piece of like, He could probably do it on his own, but when it gets stuck or tough, not creating that piece to move forward. And the thing with school is, so I have a background in teaching. So I have, I have taught kindergarten and grade one and grade two and grade three and grade four. And so that piece of, they have to struggle. Because there's 25 of them and who cannot will. zip up their coat. Which so you cannot. Whereas with you, with one child, you're like, okay, we got to get in the car. Or, yeah, zip. Okay, let's go. 
right? So that... But I'm sure at school. Like, I always say to him, I'm like, yeah, at school, like, do you... Like, what happened? He's like, well, I get, I get my snow pants on. And I was like, oh, yeah? But not at home? He was like, nah, you're here. And I'm like, there's a piece of him that, like, enjoys that because he mm-hmm. loves, like that interaction and being close and like intersecting mm-hmm. in that way. So I'm like, Oh my God, he enjoys me doing up his zipper. But like at school, he's probably like, I gotta get it inside. Let's do this. And probably right? tries or does it himself. Or, and even if he does get flustered and the teachers have acknowledged like, yes, he's flustered by this thing. There's 25 kids. I'm sure they work through it. Yeah. So it's an interesting piece. I think for us, it's like, Oh, but this is a piece of his day that he enjoys or like, is he just using <laughs> I don't know. It's really. It's Why would I zipper up my zipper? Mom will do it. Yeah. I don't know. It's a tricky place. I feel like, but he's also very much like, a, I don't know, very much doesn't want to be told what to do. He yes. would rather like, mom, I already know that. I'm like, okay, you already know that. You're right. I did. I've already told you this 300 times. You're right. You do already know that. Right. But, like, that reminder, I think, is a natural leadership tendency for me. So, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about, like, navigating that piece in terms of what each kid needs. But you also go, like, do you make what they need? Or do you go, like, this is the world. I'm preparing you for the world. And I think it. I think it's very – you choose. Mm-hmm. So Some situations, you right? You choose some situations. Um, Nolan, so my second, he wants to do everything himself, even things he can't do. So, whereas Felix, he doesn't have the same confidence. He doesn't want to do it unless he's confident and 100% sure he can do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's allowing certain situations for Felix to unfold and also being there in support of Nolan when he does need those things. And a silly, stupid thing that keeps popping into my head is like wiping their bumps. Yes. Felix is five and he still wants me to wipe his bum. Theo too. Nolan, don't fucking touch me. I wipe my own bum. Mom, I didn't even touch. There's no poop on my fingers. I'm like, you still have to wash. He's like, but I'm like, no, wash. Do you want me to help? No. Right? Like, whereas Felix wants that support, wants me to wipe his bum. And he's two years older, two and a half years older than Nolan. And Nolan doesn't want me to be a part of that at all. But, okay, so isn't that a piece? So I always say, like, Theodore's biggest thing is he's like, Mom, if I don't wipe my bum properly, I'm going to get a bum rash. And then there's going to be poop on there. Or, like, he's just so worried that he's not going to do a really good job and that going to be stuck there and that he's going to end up with it. Like, not an infection, but I think he's just so... I think he's so worried that he's not going to do a good job. And I think... Which is that perfectionism piece. Like, Felix, if if I can't do it perfectly, I want you to do it. Because I know you will. Yes. Whereas Nolan, that like... Like Sully for me. Yeah, it's like Nolan Sully of like, I'll try. I'm good with with 60% on this. I'm good. I'm good with this. Cool beans. Like, I'm good. I just want to do it myself. Whereas Mm -hmm. our other two, our oldest, want perfection. I want it to be exactly the way I need it to be. And if I can't do that, then I don't even want to try. Totally. Which is funny, but like, I mean, I don't know enough research about first children versus second children, but I feel like I really recognize that me and my husband were totally different parents Mm -hmm. with my first kid versus my it's just Sully. Sully, we are so not care. Like there's points where it's like, oh, that's kind of dangerous. Where it's like, oh, yeah. Nah, he's good. He's good. 
and like Sully, he can crawl out of the freaking bathtub now. My youngest oh, can gosh. crawl out of the bathtub. So like we're giving him a bath, and often we don't watch him, which is maybe not your safest tendency. But we'll like put him in there, and yeah. he's playing, he's having a good time. All of a sudden, he's out of the bathtub. He's <laughs> crawled out. He's walking across the floor. We're like, oh. How the fuck did you get out of the tub, buddy? And I have seen that. So that resiliency piece with Sully trying to get up on the couch. You can do it, buddy. Use your muscles. You can do it. You can do it. Right? Like we... We, we have instilled that in our second children, but not in our first children. Like, oh, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Yes. So I'm sure that there's people that are listening. They're like, oh, yeah, my first, yeah, my first time. Like, I would, every single time my first was off walking up or down the stairs, I was there, right yeah. beside. And then I'm just like, now with Sully, I'm like, yeah, you look good, buddy. You look good. And, like, really, he hasn't had a lot of falls. He has total confidence. He has no worry. He's confident enough to get out of the bathtub. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, we're new moms-ish. For like, sure. Like, we're not, like, 20 years right. removed. Yeah, we don't have grandkids or anything like that. But there is, so it's funny because I, I almost did my, my thesis, my honors essay on birth order. Interesting. So I'm very intrigued in that, like, what are you? I'm a middle child only girl. Okay. And so middle children are a bit different. That's what actually sparked my interest in it was mm-hmm. the, like, Middle children most likely to go to drugs and alcohol, blah, blah, blah. And it's because part of it is just, and it's often not just middle child, but second born. Mm -hmm. So they have never been the strongest. They have never been the fastest. They have never been first. They have always had, if you think about Theodore and Felix, they had like two or more years of just them. Total love just being poured on them as who they are. Nobody's sitting on them. Nobody's pushing them. Nobody's stealing a toy from them. Whereas that second born, they come in already in struggle. Yeah. Right? There's already somebody who's going to grab your bottle. There's already somebody who wants to put a blanket on you, but they maybe put it over your head. There's already somebody who's like sitting on you. There's somebody who's, you're all, you were born into already a losing race. Mm -hmm. You've been laughed by like, 20 times and now you're just in the race and it's like holy crap how do I catch up mm-hmm. you add that like baby on the other side of it that middle child's like oh and now I'm I'm not even somebody that gets cuddled with I'm not even the one who gets all the love there's the baby who gets all the mm-hmm. soaked up attention of like you're the last one what if right so that middle child is kind of like in that weird spot of never never the fastest never the first and also not the baby, not the one who's coddled, not the one who, you know, whereas the youngest and the oldest sort of have that coddling thing generally in common. It's funny because I had a client last year and she said, honestly, she has three kids. So she said, honestly, if I had to do it over, would have just had four. Because she yeah. said that that middle child piece has been so challenging mm-hmm. for her. She was just like, we should have just had one more. And they say that three is the hardest number to raise because there's always somebody left out because there's mm-hmm. always a middle child because, because there's, there's always two parents. Yes. Sort of thing, yeah. You can't divide and conquer and neither can your kids. Mm-hmm. There's always that. And I, I see that. And yet you did that. And did yet, that make sense for and you which guys? is funny because as a middle child and Cam is also, Cam, my husband is also a middle child. Mm-hmm. I said, I will never have three children. 
I'm sure, I'm sure I was manifesting it by repeating three children, three children, three children. But I said I would never have three children. And yet here I am, two boys and a girl. And I am bound and determined to break that cycle, but also honor it. I see Nolan. And I love his spirit. I love his personality. I love his crazy. Mm -hmm. He is a middle child through and through. Mm -hmm. um, you add in a little speech issue here and there, and it's like, yeah, you. He he struggles, but he is. And this is the thing. And I would love your your opinion on this, Ange. So many of us, I think, are parenting parenting our children to be obedient. Mm -hmm. To be good. And that comes back, it pulls back into that people-pleasing thing we were talking about. We want our children to please us. I want you to do it's the easier. things I say you must do because it's easier for me. And I look at Felix. He is my obedient. He is my kid. I can, I trust him with everything. He has his own four-wheeler. He's five. Nolan, at five years old, probably will not be driving a four-wheeler because he's crazy. Definitely <laughs> crazy kid. And, right? And so it's Felix, easy to parent. But as an adult, this is what we're raising. We are raising people to become adults. And our parents' adults, generation, right? our grandparents' generation, we're raising people pleasers. You be good. You sit and you do as I say. Mm -hmm. Do as I do, not as I, right? Like, do as I say, not as I do. Children are to be seen and not heard. We don't operate that way. Mm -hmm. And so, but we, we grew up that way a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so we became the people pleasers of like, good girls sit quietly. Mm -hmm. Good girls don't swear. Girls don't drink <laughs> too much alcohol and yeah. get out of hand. Uh -huh. We're all of those things. So I know. It's good. It's fine. But it's fine. We're, we're, we're rebels. We are. We are. We are. But so in terms of my opinion associated with that, so my oldest is very much like, not disobedient, but he tests. I'm like more, I'm more apt to sit down and be like, huh, it sounds like you don't want to do that, Theodore. What is it that you want to do? Whereas my husband's more so thinking like, why doesn't a kid just listen? And I'm like, well, it sounds like he's got a little bit of a different thought pattern in it. Like, right. and sometimes like the things he says back, he'll be like, oh, because I really thought that on my Minecraft game, we were going to build, like, this really big tower for the next hour. And in my brain, that was, like, what I thought was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so I'll be like, I know. Okay. Okay. And then so my husband will say, like, oh, but we already told you that, like, at 11 o'clock, we were going to do this. But I think for that five-year-old brain, mm -hmm. it's like, can you just sit down with them, listen to the reasons why they don't want to do the thing. But I think it's so challenging as it's happening because it's like, yes, it is easier when you're trying to get everybody out the door to be like, get your ass in gear. We need to go. Right. Because it's like, but, and so there's a little bit of it, like, are you coddling or are you just trying to listen to their emotions? So I think we, we run through that, I think, dance a lot of like. And I think a lot of it is for, Forgetting the fact, completely leaving the whole idea of our children should do what we think, which they should, they should. <laughs> but if you set all of that aside and recognize that this is a tiny human being that you are shaping, it reframes it. So when I say to Cam, I'm like, can you please X, Y, Z? And he's like, yep. 
just after I finish this thing. And I'm like, I fucking want you to do it right now because on my agenda, I need this done immediately. And yes. he's right. But we do that with our kids all the time. Totally. They might be in the middle of play, building a tower, building a Minecraft, building a something. Mm-hmm. And we're like, we're leaving. And they're like, but I, nope, get your shoes on. And we get frustrated immediately because they aren't doing what we want in that moment. Mm-hmm. So what's Whereas, the solution? Right? As, like, so the biggest thing is recognizing that they're humans. Yeah. If I said to you. But don't you think transition time is so important, especially, especially for that age? I find for, for sure, but everybody. Because yeah. everybody, if I say to you, if you showed up and said, hey, girl, let's go podcast right now. I'd be like, okay, I just need to like change my shirt. I just have to go pee. I'm going to quick make a smoothie, mm-hmm. which all of those things happened. You'd be like, cool, then we'll go up. Right. But if you were like, okay, girl, let's go up and podcast. I'm like, but I just, and you're like, no, get your fucking shoes on. We are going now. And I'm like, but in my brain, I haven't completed the things I need to do. Yeah. Right. So creating, if you said to me, Hey girl, if we go up in 15 minutes, do you think you could be ready by then? (sighs) Cool. I need to do those things. I recognize. So that transition piece allows me to complete the things that me as a human on my agenda to do. Mm -hmm. And if I say, if you say, Hey girl, in 15 minutes, we're going to go up. I'm like, I haven't put any makeup on and I haven't straightened my hair. Can, can, Can we go up in half an hour? And you're like, uh, could you do it in 20? Uh, I could do it in 20, but I got to start now. Kim, watch kids. I, right? Or like, an explanation on why. I think that for sure. kids is like, okay, like I think that's the thing. That's the thing that comes up so often with my oldest. He will say things like, but why? Which challenges us to explain the reasons why things are happening. Mm-hmm. The reason why I'm telling you that we need to go in 15 minutes is because... Blah, 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 blah. As soon as he can wrap his brain around, this is the reason why we're hustling. This is the sure. end result. This is that. He's like, okay, cool. Actually, I'm done now. I'm good. But if you don't take the time to go Absolutely. like, I need you to put your underwear on right now <laughs> because your butt is going to get cold trying to run to the door and then your bus is coming or whatever that's going right. to look like. Yeah. As long as they understand that piece, if your child is that. If your child is that same as my child, I'm like, sure. as soon as he understands, his hustle rate is like, oh, that makes sense. I can do that because that makes a lot of fucking sense to me For right sure. now. The other component to that that I see with our children, and we operate this way. Imagine if you had no idea what your day looked like until somebody told you. And they only told you that thing right before it happened. Now. It's happening now. It's happening now. You must prepare yourself. You're like, oh God, I'm anxious. I'm stressed. I don't have my things together. I'm right. You know exactly what the day looks like. You know exactly what the week looks like. You know what the month and probably partially a little bit of what the year looks like. Kids, we often just expect them to, on a dime, show up, do that thing we tell them to do. Yes. But our our kids. Our kids. kids. (laughs) And so it's that like, what are we doing today? It's telling them. Yes. First, we're doing this. Then we're going to do this after lunch. It'll be this. And then their brains can prepare for it. And that is part of transition time. Mm -hmm. And if they ask you 300 times, like it's not being like, oh, but I've already told you 300 times. This is what's happening 10 minutes from now. But is it happening now? I think so often our reaction teaches them how to calm down when they're like so excited or so looking forward to it versus you being like, you've already asked me that 300 times. Like, 
And I think that anger, that reaction teaches them that like quick diffuse versus yes. being like, Oh yeah. Yeah. He has asked me this 300 times. He has no fucking concept of time because he's five. Yes. He can read it on the microwave, but <laughs> he doesn't know that nine 30 is an hour and a half away from 11. He has no idea. Right. Right. Yes, you just asked me five minutes ago. Still no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> in a little so, bit. In a little bit. Exactly. And that's that's so huge for them. But we for, we forget that because we're so busy. We are. And I mean, like, it's so. I think as parents, that's so much of the learning that I've had of like in my brain. Like, oh man, he needs a different type of parent. And we are very much alike. But I also recognize that like he is so strong willed and so mm-hmm. feisty. Right. That I'm like. Okay, be feisty, but also recognize that, like, in showing up in your feistier environment, I can't let that make me go, like, chill out, bro. Like, don't be so fired up. And that's what I want to say because I'm like, oh, man, this shouldn't bother you so much. But I can understand the big things in their world are so different for us. We watch it and we're like, oh, my God, we're really wrapped up. But, like, absolutely. And that's their big. And being okay and honoring that big is so important. Totally. We were were talking the other day. And so Felix was really upset because Nolan was calling him a poopy head toilet head. Those were the words. A poopy head toilet head. Ouch. (laughs) And it was just laughable to me, but it crushed him. Right? And it was like honoring that that was big to you. Being in that space, Mm -hmm. talking through it, doing the whole thing. But it was like, man. Going to that place of, and that's where I think the balance is going to their place because they are kids, but still recognizing that they are human beings. They're little us. Right? Like, imagine you being at that age and that being happening to you. And it has. And I think many of our parents, bless their souls, all of our parents did awesome things. They're great, whatever. But I don't think as many parents showed up the way that we maybe would have liked, I guess, would be the best way to describe it. <laughs> but also, like, mm, terrible, maybe. I'm, I, we, our parents are great. I'm not bashing no, our I parents. Mean, like, but we turned out awesome because of the things that happened to us, for us, whatever right. you want to say. Yes, totally. But I think there was a piece of that that, like, I think there's a piece of it that's, like, Yes, we could have been taught that from a younger age or been guided in that pathway. I just don't think that, like, parenting resources were even at that place 30 years ago. I don't think so either. And I don't think there was an awareness the way there is now. Like, you I think know, all the moms were probably talking to their kids the exact same way. So you copied what Sally was saying and you copied what Sue was saying. Sure. And you would just say, like... That's the way, that's what she's saying to her, that's what she's saying to her kids, so I'll say the same thing. Whereas I think now, it's more so like, yes, we recognize that for the emotional intelligence of our children, we need to be more sensitive to their needs. Right. But I also think it's a piece of us. Like, I think when I look at Theodore, I think a big piece of it is like, oh, I see me in you. Yes. At your age. Yes. And so I know what I would have needed to hear or what would have helped me so I don't know if you feel that way with Felix, where it's like, oh, I remember that piece yes. of me at that age. I very much, I haven't talked a ton about it, but I have struggled with anxiety my whole life. 
Um, and most people don't know that about me. Just like people who know me wouldn't go like, oh, she's somebody who has struggled with anxiety. And I remember like OCD, anxiety, right from being very, 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 very little. And I see some of the things that I hear Felix say, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was you. You have the courage to say it. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't share that. I just kind of like kept it inside struggling. Because it wasn't safe it, though. Right? It wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah. And so, yeah, just, and my parents were fantastic. And I shared, my mom, I'm sure she knew I was an anxious kid. It wasn't called anxiety when I was a kid. But just that like, I see those tendencies. And so there's compassion. That piece of compassion that you don't just slough that thing off that everybody else would slough off because, whoa, that was a big deal for me. And it must be a big deal for you. And nobody else is seeing that. But, yes. Anyways, so that's kind of a a snippet into kind of a little anxiety tidbit. Which is probably (laughs) cool that our kids came to us. In that way. And, and that your souls chose us. I love that. In that way. Because right. I think it has been so beautiful in terms of that. Where I'm like, ah. Because my mom always says things like, oh, I wish you had eight of you so you knew how <laughs> hard that was. Right. Because it is hard. It is. I am hard. Yeah. I get it. And I get it. And that's there a not- beauty in that? Like, I love. So Coralie is my third. And our only girl and my mom, like she's elated. She's like, finally, you have a girl. You're going to get everything that's coming to you, right? Yes. And she's a redhead. So I'm like, oh, maybe I am. But there's so much of my soul that is excited and on fire for that. I want her to be a firecracker. I want her to be me times fucking 10. Like Mm -hmm. I want that wild suck it, fuck it attitude. I don't care what you think. And it will be harder to parent. It will be harder to show up and be what she needs, but she'll be okay and she'll be strong and she'll be capable and she'll be powerful. And that's what I want for my kids, right? Versus just kids who do what I say when I say it. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, in that week, in that place, man, it is hard. Mm -hmm. And honoring that, knowing that, but also reaching out because you're not alone in that hard place, Mm -hmm. but keeping in mind that that fire that passion that roar that comes with them Mm -hmm. is really beautiful and so is the cautious so is the people pleaser tendencies like there's so much I have so much compassion for that as well because I was that I wanted so much to be a good little girl Mm -hmm. I'm not anymore that that (laughs) that ship has sailed but right I understand so it's there's beauty in all of it Mm -hmm. and just honoring and being in that place, but keeping in mind that our kids, people pleasing or firecrackers that they are, are, um, we're there for them and showing up for them. So, yeah. Really? This conversation is taking a We like started with sex and here we are. Know, like like the sex culminating. We didn't know what we were going to talk about, but I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Holy smokes wow. left, right? I mean, that was our life as a mom. Yeah. And you know what is so like, I don't know, cool about it is like just letting people know that it's okay to be all of it. Like as we're showing up and talking in this podcast, I think the biggest piece is like, this is us authentically as us. We can be like 
straight and narrow in terms of focusing on the things that we know to be true in terms of helping our clients. But there's also this big piece of us that's both sexual, but also trying to be an awesome mom. And all of those pieces of who we are are like what make us who we are versus like, okay, we're going to talk about this. We're only going to talk about food. We're only going to talk about exercise. We're only going to talk about spirituality. I think we're just in this place of like, here we are. All of it. And I hope as you're listening, you're just thinking to yourself, like, ah, these girls get it. They aren't, we're not living in this little bubble where, like, none of this this is reality. (laughs) Trying to parent kids, trying to be awesome wives, trying to rock businesses. And so we just hope that you guys, as you're listening, you're thinking to yourselves, like, oh, they're on my level. They get it. Because we are you. We We are are right in your boat sinking or sailing we are in your boat it depends on the day yeah Uh, yeah but we are we're so excited to be with you and so excited to be sharing and chatting and just engaging Mm -hmm. together and together with you so totally well i hope you guys have an awesome week and we will catch you guys in next week's episode excellent thanks very much bye guys